0: Hi, I'm Larry Castle here with Ken Brown, and we're doing episode 25 of That's a Good Question. A Democrat's been elected. Is the world going to (laughs) end? So Pastor Ken, here we are uh, after the election. You recently wrote a blog entitled Election post mortem, kind of going over the autopsy of the election, I guess, is that <laughs> what this <laughs> article yeah. doing? And right. uh, so we, we thought we would give uh, some time in one of our episodes to a similar related topic. In fact, you said you're going to uh, be focusing this week's blog on a related topic as well. And um, this, is, this is very timely. I think I'm looking forward to this discussion. I'm going to find it very helpful. Um, as we were talking about, the content for the show i was talking about how my whole life um, i've voted conservative never voted for a democrat Mm -hmm. in my life um, but have found myself uh, in this election cycle um, in the very awkward position of interacting Mm -hmm. with Friends on social media, on Twitter, uh, people, I say friends, uh, my, my, my wife calls them my Twitter friends. They're people I've never met, but uh, I appreciate <laughs> the ideas exchange and such. But um, folks who are like myself, conservative, vote conservative and theologically conservative. But in the weird position of trying to defend, I, we, there was an article uh, mm-hmm. by Tim Keller recently talking about mm-hmm. uh, Christian liberty of conscience and voting. And, uh, Mm. you know, these guys immediately uh, assumed that his point was trying to defend voting for a Democrat. And Mm. I found myself in the awkward position of having to defend the fact that I would not practice church discipline on somebody Mm. for voting for a Democrat. I I just was uh, baffled that I actually had to come out and say that to these guys. Um, Mm. But in their minds, um, you know, we could agree on ideas from scripture like um, uh, needing to address poverty, um, needing to address mm-hmm. the evil of abortion, and, mm-hmm. uh, but not being able to disagree on the best way to go about that. Um, and I, you know, I would not agree with the Democrat platform on these issues, particularly on abortion, as you and I have talked, and may come up in today's content. <laughs> Um, I would not agree with their platform's approach to that. And I I wouldn't vote for them because of that. Um, And yet there are Christians telling other Christians, you can't be a Christian if you're not voting Mm -hmm. the way I'm voting. Um, Mm -hmm. So that that's where we find ourselves in this this election cycle. Well,
1: and as you're pointing out, then, it's just uh, it's it's made harder now. Uh, let's be clear. You and I both want to keep our jobs, one, and uh, <laughs> we're, we don't want to get stoned by anybody. Uh, I'm kidding. But we neither of us voted uh, for a Democrat or a pro-abortion candidate. Neither of us ever have, and neither of us uh, will ever be doing that. Uh, but what you are pointing out, what Keller is pointing out, that these lines have become a bit blurry uh, because uh, we have been willing to do things in this past four years, these last couple of elections, that we wouldn't have countenanced in in years past uh, because of other values that we have, moral values that we have beyond uh, abortion. Abortion is enormous because it's life and you know everything else springs from life. All these other issues about social programs and all that don't matter if you don't protect life. And so life is foundational, we know that. But if we're going to sacrifice other moral principles in what we advocate for and who we who we promote, as we said a long time ago, not just who we vote for, but who we promote. There's a difference between vote and promote. And there's been a lot of promotion and support, very vocal and even rabid sometimes. And that then blurs the lines. And people in the world don't understand how we can stand for some of what we've tolerated. Uh, but... Having said that, pro a pro-life position is still paramount. It still does determine for me and uh, determine for you you know what we do. but let's be more thoughtful than just a label. And I think that's part of what you're saying is that you know I interact with folks, my Twitter friends, my uh, internet friends, my cyberspace friends, but uh, it's easy to just do this binary thing and not think about other issues that are at play and have come into play uh, in these last couple of election cycles. And we need to be more thoughtful people than that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that um, is right along the lines of what I was thinking is, is in so often in those conversations, people are Uh, making, you know, things just, you know, black and white. If you Mm -hmm. don't agree with the end result Mm -hmm. I'm giving here, you can't possibly have any rationale to what you're thinking. And Mm -hmm. um, one of the other things that I had in mind as we thought about this topic is that, um, you know, we can go to the extremes. When I was younger and very interested in politics, um, you know, I actually fell for the line that uh, this election means everything, and uh, mm-hmm. we are all going to die if our guy doesn't get elected after mm-hmm. this election. And after seeing that mm-hmm. cycle go through several times, mm-hmm. I realized the the built in gridlock that our system of government mm-hmm. has, and things tend to move slowly back and forth. Mm-hmm. And um, it allowed me to have a little better perspective. And um, I can tend to go to the other extreme because I see these political mm-hmm. issues oftentimes as mm-hmm. symptoms rather than root causes. Um, mm-hmm. the, the good desire to focus on more core things, biblical truths in my relationships, definitely I think it's been a good thing mm-hmm. to um, forego arguing about politics as a common practice with people, especially now that it's so prevalent online. Um, but it's easy to go in the other direction and just want to mm-hmm. ignore it all because there's so much noise, and that's not good mm-hmm. either. So I think we'll have a chance to talk about that in this episode as well. Um, mm-hmm. So we're over two weeks past the election now. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we've, we've got uh, the election post mortem blog that you wrote. And mm-hmm. uh, we tried to prepare people for what appeared to be a likely outcome for that. And uh, you asked, so how will you react if Joe Biden's elected? And then you mm-hmm. offered some historical reminders for people. Um, designed to to put their minds at ease, right? <laughs> and yeah. uh so now that now that we're here 2 weeks past the election, uh, let's talk about how that's worked out. How are folks responding to a Biden election <laughs> win?
1: Well, it 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 appears that my uh, attempts, well-meaning attempts have been a spectacular failure as usual. <laughs> that won't be that won't be my first failure. It's not uh, it's not my first, it's not going to be my last. Uh but anecdotally i have heard many good and godly and smart people who tell me they are very afraid and i was trying to head that off uh the week before the election in anticipation of where the election would probably go and what effect it might have given what i was hearing all this year then the election happens and we've got some people, and again, I say good, godly, smart people, scared to death uh, about the whole thing. And that's uh, that saddens me, uh, because it ought not be. Uh, but that's what I'm hearing. So <laughs> people either didn't read that blog. If they did, they didn't heed. But we do have at least some I know anecdotally uh, who I love, and as I say, fit that category of good, godly, and smart. What are, what are you coming across? What are you hearing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Similar. Um, you know, uh, people are, I hear a lot of people uh, talking about uh, here in the news and then hear people talking about online mm-hmm. and in person. Uh, someone actually gave me a newspaper article with something related to that. And recently that the foundations of our democracy are crumbling um, because of mm-hmm. election tampering. Um, and to be fair, I guess some mm-hmm. of them are saying because of a lack of confidence in elections, but um, you know, mm-hmm. okay. So, uh, alleging without ceasing that there's election fraud tends to cause that. <laughs> so
1: that can go mm-hmm. both ways, mm-hmm. you know, if you, yeah, you that's could right. say,
0: you could say all that's the right. election frauds causing it, or you could say all of the alarmism about election frauds.
1: Causing Excellent it. point. And that, and if we get time today, I think we should talk about, we should talk about that. If not today, maybe we'll carry it into next time.
0: Yeah, this will, and I'll throw this one out there, file it away for later in the episode if, if we need to. But um, it goes so far as, uh, I don't watch it a lot, uh, but I saw yesterday, it was actually on YouTube that I saw the show Tucker Carlson Tonight. Um, this guy's very conservative. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he spent about 10 minutes talking about mm-hmm. all of the mm-hmm. problems Uh, You know, the stuff in Detroit with the poster board on and uh, the different cities claiming the people who are supposed to be Mm -hmm. watching weren't let in Mm -hmm. and different Mm -hmm. things that people have have cited. And he really kind of setting all that up, talking about what I said, that, uh, you know, our confidence in the electoral system is is waning and Mm -hmm. that's a huge problem. So we need to address these things. And, you know, I think to a degree, as a point, we need to if there's claims of wrongdoing, check it out, uh, discredit it. Confirm it, whatever. Um, But he spent the ten minutes, you know, building that up, and then at the end of that segment, he talked about I'm forgetting her name right now. uh, The lawyer, Sydney Powell. Sydney Sydney Powell. Powell, Thank you. He (laughs) he uh, had contacted her to say because at the end of their press conference, Mm -hmm. uh, she Mm -hmm. made the point about the electronic vote tallying Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. corrupt it was. I mean, a pretty big claim. And he was inviting her. He said, "I'd give her the whole show." And mm-hmm. they blew him off and mm-hmm. uh, got angry with him. And he, so he said this on his show. No kidding. I see. I see online people calling Tucker Carlson a globalist. <laughs> he is a left-wing pawn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Right. I, I just, I was like, wow. So that, that's how uh, dramatic, um, you know, yes. people are to what extremes people are going with right. this. Um, mm-hmm. So what do I see? I mean, that's not that's not somebody I know saying that, but that's what's in the news. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I do know many close friends and family members who watch that, read mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's kind of the barometer for them. And so that does, yes. that does concern me um, that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that the, it's not so fair and balanced, <laughs> it appears. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Well, this is uh, important enough. It's so widespread, it's affected so many people, it's affected so many people that we care about, are in regular contact with, as you said, friends, family. Uh, but the people that we are most associated with in our church, our church circles, outside of our church, uh, all tend to have a monolithic view that they acquire, that they acquire from some places. And I think we we need to think about that, We because it's affecting the way we see the world and it's affecting us so i think it's very important for us to get our hearts and our minds around that and so we're devoting uh, a couple of spaces to that both today uh, i'm devoting this week's blog to it church matters blog so i encourage you all to read this week's church matters blog Uh, and then we may uh, have to go even a, a few weeks with this but if we do so be it because it's important enough
0: you uh, you mentioned in the blog a few weeks ago that uh, many people have been convinced that we're going to become socialist. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, if Biden wins this election. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard people say, you know, communist. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I, I have no illusions that, uh, you know, having a Democrat president in office and having... You know part of our congress led by democrats that we're gonna mm-hmm. move in a more conservative mm-hmm. direction that's true um, mm-hmm. but I, I also don't think the republic has fallen you know it, as a result of the election here and t- in time will tell how mm-hmm. much change happens and uh, mm-hmm. to what pace that it happens yeah um, so what were your thoughts on that
1: well I I think we need to have a little bit of a historical perspective because I think one reason people are so frightened uh, is they think this is new. They think this uh, idea that we're going to become socialist is something that we've just recently come upon. (laughs) And it's anything but. Uh, It is at least, at least 90 years old, goes back a ways. And I think having an historical perspective helps with that. Uh, Listen, every major social program ever enacted has been labeled socialist for at least those 90 years. Go back to the 30s when the New Deal happened and Social Security came into being. Uh, You had the same kind of charge that, frankly, the whole New Deal was socialist, was considered socialist. And one of the major planks of that that's still with us today is Social Security in the 1930s when Medicare... Uh, was enacted in the mid-60s. Same thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, none other than Ronald Reagan got his start politically by making that charge in the 60s about socialism and, and encroaching socialism because of not the New Deal, but now uh, the Great Society programs of Lyndon Johnson in the 60s. Barry Goldwater. Uh, was the presidential nominee for the Republicans in 64, ran against LBJ, lost in a landslide. But he was making that case, that we've got the socialism coming our way and socialized medicine. That was that was Medicare, it was going to be socialized medicine. So you need to understand, friends, this is, this is not new, that every program that has come along, and now these are programs that you couldn't find. You could throw a rock in Washington, D.C., <laughs> And never hit, you could do a whole pile of rocks and never have to worry about hitting a single politician, Republican or Democrat, who's willing to speak against Social Security or Medicare. But when they first happened, everybody did that. You got the same thing with Obamacare. Let me give you a personal, let me give you a personal story with that. My dad died when I was 11. And my mom, who had never worked outside the home, is now left as a widow and she has four boys at home. And uh, I'm third in line. And as I say, I was 11. What's my mom gonna do? My mom had to go and get a job. But I tell you, let me tell you on a personal level, I'm I'm thank God uh, that he used Social Security to help me and to help my family. That there is a death benefit that goes with Social Security, and there's a child death benefit that goes with that. And my mom was able to help me and my brothers in large part because of of that. God used that. Now, God could use something else. I I understand that. But in this case, God used that and used that in a good way and has done so for lots of other people. So it's true that you can't have socialism without social programs. But we need to understand that social programs are not socialism. Socialism involves the government commandeering the means of production in the whole society. So some of the stuff you've heard is, okay, you want to become like Venezuela? Well, okay, you know, there's that's a leap. Mm -hmm. That's a leap to go from Social Security, Medicare, um, even Medicare for all. I'm not saying these are good ideas. Put that aside, whether they're good ideas. Uh, I've benefited from Social Security as a boy, so I'm thankful for that. But put aside whether they're good or not. It is a leap to say because you have Obamacare or the minimum wage or whatever it is, that you're now going to Venezuela style Mm. socialism. Um, but that's a claim and a leap that many have taken over over many decades. So yeah. you could say this. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Uh, so that
0: is the kind of thing that, you know, as folks talk online um, and you see these discussions happening, just to suggest what you've suggested, you automatically are considered mm-hmm. a, mm-hmm. you know, a left-wing mm-hmm. pawn. You're caving, mm-hmm. you're blind, you don't see it happening, you're a useful idiot, you know, all those terms people uh, will use. Um, I am an idiot. I don't know right. how useful I am. But, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> but But what you're saying there, you know, makes, makes good sense if you really stop. Uh, that's actually part of what that that article i was telling you about was saying was that Mm. if you if you step back and try to take a biblical approach to these things you won't find Mm. that you know as a christian you fit more as a democrat or you fit Mm. more as a republican you'll find that you fit across them you don't really fit into either one of them Mm. uh, Mm. because Mm. our values don't come from these vying values the world is arguing over. Mm -hmm. And so a program that takes care of social needs, it's actually kind of a Christian idea to take care of the weak and the Mm -hmm. helpless. Um, But it's not Mm -hmm. a a Christian idea to steal from people, you know, so. Yeah, right. (laughs) Or to commandeer, as you said. Well,
1: but but right, commandeer the means of production and then to commandeer through taxes. But But again, if you're going to say that, then make your case. But it was, I think, 1916, don't hold me to that, but I think, and I think it's the 16th Amendment that uh, gave us the income tax. So we've had the income tax just over 100 years. Uh, But the income tax is, in large part, what supports these government programs. Now, taxation is taking money from people. (laughs) And involuntarily, you have to contribute that by law or you can be arrested. Contrary to what some people think, have you ever heard this? You know that the our that our taxation system is a voluntary system. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, try to yeah. volunteer opting out and right. see how that goes. I know some. <laughs> I know some people who have done that and they found out how violent. How involuntary it actually is. So you can make that case. And if you want to make the case that there should be no taxation, you can make that case that there should be no income tax. You can make the case that there should be some income tax, but not for social programs, only for defense or, you know, some very limited. Those are all legitimate things to say. But I would just say this, friends, to all of us. Uh, and I'm not, and I'm not saying people who disagree with me or take a different approach are this, but I am warning about taking an easy, and I'm going to use the word lazy, intellectually lazy approach to simply label. Labels enable laziness. To simply say it's this or that, and the minute you use the buzzword, and if you don't fit in line with the tag, the buzzword, now you're dismissed, and we have our own sort of cancel culture. That then goes on with that. I, I am warning against that. Christian people are thoughtful people. We think about stuff. We try to think about things from God's perspective, and we try to apply that to everything. So do that. Make your case. But that's the point. Make the case. Don't simply have a list and a checklist where it frees you from the responsibility of having to make the case. So you could say, that when you enact these programs, Biden gets elected. Uh, Does that mean in 2024 that Kamala Harris gets elected then? And she's quite liberal, and she is. And, you know, if we have a liberal Congress, that there's going to be, we're communist all of a sudden. Well, you know, it's possible, I suppose, that we just sort of fall off a cliff and we go from that to where we are now to a communist system. Highly unlikely, because this has been going on, as I say, for for decades. You could say, you could call it creeping socialism, but still, because all every one of these programs is at least contributing to moving you toward a socialist system. I'll I, I grant that, but just some history will help. It's been creeping for about a century now, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's been creeping very, very slowly. And I don't see any reason to believe that that creeping is all of a sudden going to just fall off a cliff And all of a sudden, we're going to find ourselves in socialism. But it appears from the fear that many people have, they think that's what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, this has been happening for a long time, you're saying. And um, Mm -hmm. part of the problem is a a lack of context, historical context, a lack of historical Mm -hmm. awareness. Um, I think so. You know, and, and I don't think it's an accident. Correct me if if you think differently, but I don't think it's an accident that, um, you know, a large uh, part of the energy uh, in hmm. both sides of the movements that are opposing each other that we see politically are are fueled by the younger
1: generation, mm. which I think I thought- lacks. Mm -hmm. What's that? By definition, I mean, almost by definition. I thought you were going to say that. I was wondering where you were going with that. And I thought you were going to say the young people. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and we don't mean, you know, you've taught young people for decades and, you know, we have young uh, daughters and uh, sons-in-law and uh, we love them. And they're very thoughtful and all of that. So we're not uh, putting down our young people. But that's one of the things that goes with youth. Unless you are a youth that is exceptionally versed in history, then you haven't lived it. I mean, I'm not exceptionally versed in history. I'm just old enough to be history. <laughs> to lived through sure to have, history. You know, lived through yeah, to have lived through a lot of it, you know. So therefore I know it just by virtue of that. And then what I've learned, you know, by my own study. But yes, you are right. And so it looks like to a next generation, everything looks new if you don't know history. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think there's something to be said for, uh, you know, it's easy to become apathetic uh, and cynical mm-hmm. as you go mm-hmm. through those things. So the the passion of youth can be helpful in that, um, mm-hmm. but you've got to have that that perspective as well to know that the sky is not actually
1: falling right
0: now. You know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. What were you going to say?
1: Well, just that there's the economy then, and people are very worried about that. Socialism, communism, all that. But then there is, and more importantly should be more important is the moral climate in uh, in in our country. And I said that in my blog, in the very one uh, that you're talking about from October 30th, election post-mortem. I said, people are worried about those things, but they ought to be even more worried about, concerned about uh, the moral climate that uh, policies can have on the rest of the country and politicians can have on the rest of the country. Uh, but nevertheless, two even with that, two key areas you're naming there. I think, um, yeah. you
0: know, policies. So there's something you and I were talking about, abortion, as an example. But personality, did you call it? Uh, but politicians. politicians, yeah, and so policies, yeah. Who who right. is the visible leader? What is the yes. character?
1: That kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And we should be concerned about all of that because that all plays a role in the moral climate of the society in which we live in and minister. So, But even with that now, just like with the economics, I don't see it, I see it as more gradual than just this, all of a sudden, somebody's going to get elected, and man, we are socialist and we're communist. It's, I, I'm not a prophet, but I will predict for you in the next four years, we will not be socialist and communist, okay? In fact, if I were a betting man, which I'm not, I'd be willing to wage that a conservative has a very good chance of recapturing the White House again in 2024 uh, for reasons that I won't bore you with. But so I, I just don't see that happen. And the moral climate, likewise, I don't see, you know, there is drift my whole life. There has been moral drift. That moral drift will continue, but it's much more gradual than just uh, falling, off, falling off the cliff uh, to use the metaphor I've been using. Um, now, I might not be as perceptive to... Kind of shifting toward liberal morals than than many others, but I think that's because I think liberal morals are the fallen norm. I think that if you look at it biblically, that is where fallen people go, uh, casting off restraint, doing your own thing, uh, you as the center of the universe, no one telling you what to to do. Uh, And so I think liberal morals are the fallen norm, and culture that's largely morally conservative in its values is the exception. It's a matter of, you know, what theologians would call common grace. Going back 60 years to the 60s, in my lifetime, I was born in 62, you had the development of the free love hippie movement. I was born into that, Pastor Larry, you're 10 years younger than me. By the time you're born, by the time you come of age, this is largely now accepted. That's a different world within you know, within those 20 years. But within a generation, it took some time for, for that to to shift. And the society continues to move in a liberal direction. But that's no surprise to me at all. Here's the surprise to me is when it doesn't move quicker and further. <laughs> and I tend to, and I think we should focus on the common grace of God that's evident in the fact that a lot of people still, even today, live and uphold and want those kind of 50s values, hmm. those conservative values. And further, this is another area of God's common grace. We now have a judiciary in place that's poised to protect many of those for the most hmm. part. So, yeah, things are moving liberal. They have my entire life. I think that's the natural state of the fallen world. But for the most part, that's always been the case and arresting that so-called progress of progressivism. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When that's arrested, when that stops, or when that's averted for at least a period of time, that's the exceptional state. And we've lived in that exception for decades. And to some extent, because of those common graces that I talked about, Our children, you know, we have children that are about the same age, both of us. I think our children have the real possibility that in their lives, they will enjoy much of those common graces as well. I don't know what the Lord has in store, of course, but I think there's the real possibility of that. But the predictions of socialism and this brave new world that's coming, those could have been made at just about any time in our lives. Hmm. And it's always moving in that direction. If, If those concerns could have uh and have existed for many decades, well then that raises another question. If that's the case, if that's really been the deal for our whole lives, why is it so intense? Why is the fear so palpable and intense right now?
0: Yeah. That,
1: and yeah. that
0: leads into, I think, something we <laughs> want to probably spend the balance. We're at about twenty nine minutes. We could probably spend the balance okay. of time talking yeah. about okay. that. Um you know, go go ahead and introduce the the topic.
1: Well, I tell you, if you if, if I, I ask the question, if if I'm asked that question, my answer is primarily media. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the difference now that has made it so intense, so that people are more fearful than they were ten years ago, twenty, certainly twenty and thirty years ago? And I would say it's media. And I would say it is media that um, is now amplified, I would call it, two things, amplified and monetized. Mm -hmm. Amplified and, and monetized. When I say amplified, look, the media is amplified today like it has never been in the history of the world. Wow, that's a big statement, but I I can say it with absolute confidence. It's absolutely true. It's amplified by technology. It's amplified by the marketplace and all the choices we have. We have, people have easy access to what we wanna hear because we now have a plethora of, of choices. So now I can tune into, through different platforms, People that tell me and reinforce what I want to hear, mm-hmm. and the other side, to use that for the other side can do the exact same thing. So now we're in silos. Mm-hmm. I continually hear what I want to hear about how evil you are. <laughs> the other side is they continually hear about how evil we are, and then we're surprised that we're we're polarized. Mm-hmm. You know, but in the fifties, you didn't have anything like that. Just take the you know in the fifties. You had to know where to go to get information about something like the, Bert, the John Birch Society. Now, when I say the John Birch Society, some of you are listening to this, you know what that is. Many of you are, are not. But in the in the fifties, communism and the and the Cold War was just at an intense level, and you had organizations like the very conservative John Birch Society that were saying communists are behind every bush in the U.S. government. McCarthyism, Joseph McCarthy was holding the McCarthy hearings in the, in the Senate, and he was hauling all kinds of people up, and he was accusing them of being communists. It was called the Red Scare. All that was going on. You had people concerned about atomic war breaking out. There are still buildings around. You can find one every now and then with those. Have you seen those fallout shelter little, you know, and, and those, but those used to be everywhere, even into the 70s. a band logo. I thought that was a band logo. (laughs) (laughs) No. And when I was a kid in the seventies going to, you know, elementary school, the, my school building had that because school buildings were fallout shelters in case there is, so the government had that. You had this fallout, people built bomb shelters in their backyards. And so there was this, there was this, this fear, but in order to really get into it, if you wanted to be a follower of the John Birch Society, that was a very conspiratorial kind of organization, still exists, but it's barely known now. But you would have to know where to go. It wasn't easily accessed. You know, you would have to sign up. You would have to get on their mailing list and all that stuff. Now you got the internet, and you can just find things like the Birchers all over the place. Let me say something about the, the Birchers. And a lot of the conspiracy stuff we have going on now, My goodness, so much conspiracy stuff right now. But the Birchers were real conspiracy buffs. (laughs) And uh, some of you might have know the name William Buckley, William F. Buckley, the founder of National Review magazine. He passed away in, I don't know when, but uh, within the last 10 years or so. And uh, but Buckley was a spokesman for the conservative movement, and he Denounced the John Birch Society. And many people look back on that and they believe it saved the conservative movement. The fact that a respected voice like Buckley was willing to speak up and say, This is not who we are. This is not the way we think. And that he had an organ, a, a, a media organ, National Review magazine that gave a more intellectual approach, a more thoughtful approach to conservative principles, which were not in ascendancy when he started that in the 50s. But by any means, liberalism, the political liberalism, economic liberalism was all by far in the ascendancy for sure. And yet he starts National Review and he denounces the Bercher movement. And it, it moved conservatism away from craziness. I say that for this reason, friends, knowing a little bit of history is important. We need somebody, somebody who can stand up and do that now, who can say, we got to move away from this, because if we don't, we're going to destroy ourselves as an anti-intellectual, a non-thoughtful kind of movement. And and we do not want to be that. So I said it's amplified. It's amplified through the media. Um. But there's another aspect of this is, as well. Does that you make know, sense? Do you think? To,
0: yeah, to what you're saying. Um, well, and there are there aren't a lot of them, but there are <clears> some <throat> voices trying to do that now. And mm-hmm. what's happening to them? You know, are you, are you thinking of some of the folks that I'm thinking of?
1: Well, um, yeah, you you and me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I meant actually prominent people. Oh, okay. Pe- people that others actually listen to. Um, <laughs> Uh, Why am I drawing a blank right now? Uh, David French? You thinking of David French? Oh, no, no, no. Not David French. But uh, Uh, you've you've shared a couple articles from him, uh, from me. Um, Former presidential candidate. uh, (laughs) Oh, Romney? Mitt Romney? Mitt Romney. Thank you. I don't know why. Okay. uh, uh, He also, globalist, uh, it was the term I heard. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, Just because he's trying to do what you're saying. He's Mm -hmm. trying to say, Mm -hmm. okay, hold on. Mm -hmm. Let's look Mm -hmm. at, is there really evidence for what we're saying here? Or are we just crying, you know,
1: foul? Yeah, exactly. Well, there's that amplified piece of it. And then I said there's the monetized piece of it. And I think that's a huge part of it. But I don't know, you tell me uh, this might be a good time to break and maybe we'll pick it up there next time, you think?
0: Yeah, 36 minutes, we we could easily pick back up. Um, okay yeah let's do that Uh, so this is this was a little different than formats that we've done in the past Uh, we've (laughs) kept us both up on the screen here a little more free free form uh, flowing but uh, hopefully helpful and um, make sure those of you who are watching check out if you haven't already we'll put a link in the notes below this video or on the page you're looking at for the blog Uh, to be able to check that out. Were you going to add something to that?
1: I would just that today we have just done it differently, as Pastor Larry pointed out, and we've tried to introduce this subject uh, through a number of kind of subcategories. But I do want to assure you all that this uh, podcast that's put on by two pastors at a local church in Trenton, Michigan, (laughs) is devoted to looking at these things through a biblical lens. So we've tried to set up what's going on in our world from a political, societal, economic perspective, and how's it affecting people. We think we need to be aware of that and then try to deal with that, but deal with it from a biblical perspective. So we didn't have time in our 36 minutes today to get to the biblical principles, but next week or maybe the week after that, we'll try to apply some biblical principles to this. So I just want to assure you, this is not just, you know, let's politics talk or, 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 or you know, uh, sociology talk, but rather we want to see what's happening in politics, what's happening in our society through the lens of what God says. We'll try to do some more of that next week.
0: That's that's a really important distinction. And as I mentioned earlier, um, it's it's not that we just love this subject so we want to get into it. It's not like we're trying to lead our people into thinking about politics per se. We want to think biblically mm-hmm. about anything. But folks are already thinking about right. this and involved with right. it. And we want to right. draw their attention to do so biblically. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thanks, Patrick.
1: Well, King. and and yeah, sorry, sorry I would, uh, this will be the last thing I say. But you, you make a good point. It's not that we just want to talk about this. Listen, the New Testament was written this way. The New Testament letters are what are called occasional documents. What happened was, particularly the Apostle Paul, who wrote nearly half of the New Testament, you look at the letters he wrote, he was writing to address what was going on. So part of the reason we're doing this as pastors is because this is what's going on. And so we don't want to ignore it. We want to deal with it, and we want to try to deal with it as best we can from that biblical perspective.
0: That's very good. Well, thank you for uh, watching this. And if you've got uh, questions, feel free to write Pastor Ken and let him know. (laughs) (laughs) uh, We actually have a ton of resources we've been uh, producing between the blog and these episodes. So do check the rest of them. They may actually have already addressed questions that you have. And uh, Mm -hmm. we'll pick this topic up uh, on another episode soon. And uh, just to remind you, if you're not already, do make sure you uh, stop by our Facebook page, like our page, follow us so that you'll see this content when it comes out. And then as well on our YouTube channel, if you're watching this on our website, there should be a little button in the bottom right corner. Yeah, right down here. (laughs) And you could click that and uh, subscribe so you also know when these things come out. And uh, we just appreciate you taking the time. We put time into this because we think it would be helpful. We hope that it is helpful to you. And uh, we will see you in the next episode. If you have a question you'd like us to consider, you can send that into our email address, info at cbctrenton.com or text it to us at nine seven zero zero zero.